All right, we are going to get started. Um, my name is Dr. Emily Jones, and on behalf of the Pete Collaborative, we welcome you formally and officially to our April uh, meeting. Uh, this collaborative is titled a Deliberate Dialogue about the role of social and emotional learning in physical education. Um, and uh, we're really sharing these informed opinions in order to shape future discourse and direction. So if you haven't uh, joined us on a Pete Collaborative before, we're so glad that you're here. We are a group of higher education faculty members and physical education professionals spanning K-12 um, and some partners outside of higher ed as well, who came together during uh, the start of COVID, the pandemic, to build community across our institutions and across the country. Um, and we meet monthly to discuss issues that are of significance to um, the field. And it's really a place for voices to be elevated and, and heard and conversations to be had um, outside of a physical location like we were bound to when we were um, just attending um, professional meetings. So if you haven't been here before, thank you for joining us. Uh, this space, as I said, is a place where we wanna elevate all voices. Um, we do have the norms uh, for our gathering together. This is a community. And so um, if you haven't had a chance to introduce yourself on the chat, please do so. The chat is going to be open throughout our time together. Um, and so if you are um, ask questions, you wanna interact with someone, uh, you have um, things that you would like to seek additional clarifications on, use that back channel chat. We've got collaborative members and it's open for everyone to be able to um, share thoughts and ideas. We are recording this session uh, because we do um, pull the audio and post that for those uh, who might not be able to join us um, on the collaborative day, but can um, read and listen to the transcript um, later on. One of the norms is that we do always anticipate um, positive intent. Uh, we wanna keep this cordial and collegial. Um, and this meeting is, is even more significant because um, we're using this as an opportunity to model healthy discourse and dialogue about issues that perhaps are, um, we see different sides to the same issue on. And um, Kaysen O'Neill from East Tennessee State and I are gonna be moderating um, some parts of this conversation, but we have guests panelists that we will introduce here in a moment. But I'm going to turn the time over to Kaysen um, as he's going to introduce kind of this concept of SEL in physical education. And then I'll introduce our panelists that we have today and share with you a bit about how we're going to facilitate this dialogue uh, using our deliberative dialogue format. So um, Kaysen, I'm going to turn it over to you. Thank you, everyone. My name is Kaysen O'Neill, and I'm from East Tennessee State, and Emily did a great job of introducing today. We, as a Peak Collaborative team, <clears throat> are really excited for this week, uh, this month. So it's, gonna, it's called a deliberate dialogue, and what we wanted to do is get two, we got two separate viewpoints. Well, a little bit of backstory is that in physical education, the topic of social emotional learning has risen to the forefront, I think so, more so since COVID. And there's been a, quite a bit of publication about where it stands. And there are different viewpoints on how much we should be focusing on the psychomotor and motor development kind of only as, a, you know, as really our platform of what we do. And there's also viewpoints that 
go across the entire spectrum on where social emotional learning, where our time and effort should be placed in, in a quality physical education program. What today is gonna to be is two differing viewpoints. The first one is going to be uh, from Jackie Lund and Hans Vandermars. And in the most two recent uh, Jopers, there has been a introductory viewpoint that both of our groups have had differing viewpoints today. This is not gonna be a debate per se, and Emily will talk about that, but just to get two different sides of a story and it's okay. Um, the first one is from Jackie Lund and Hans Vandermars titled Physical Education's Real Brass Ring, Time to Get the Field Back on Track. Another team, um, Paul Wright and uh, Kevin Richards, they in the succeeding month provided a follow-up and a response called Social Emotional Learning as an integral part of physical education. We have worked with all four of these professionals before in the Peak Collaborative, so I'm really excited to hear differing viewpoints, and you uh, will get a, a chance to have a voice as well that I'm sure Emily's going to join in. So sit back and enjoy the first part and be ready to participate moving forward. Awesome. Kason. Okay, back to me. So here is, we set the stage, right? Like we're not interested in duking it out. We are completely excited to hear different ideas, and um, these issues are important and important for us to come to the table so that we can move forward as a field. It's easy to sit back and just disagree with someone. It's harder to come to the table and have a conversation. Um, so here are the ground rules, <laughs> what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to uh, open the table here to Hans and Jackie to share uh, in about a 10-minute time um, their perspectives, their thoughts, and, and elaborate on the ideas and the perspectives that they're bringing to this pretty complex issue, um, SEL in PE and PEAT, where does it stand and, and how significant is it? What implications do we, does that bring to the field? Um, the, diet, the, the ground rules are cordial discourse. Um, we're not necessarily looking for a single solution. Those of us who are on the call and we're upwards to the tune of about 65 professionals, all at varying institutions with varying um, backgrounds, histories, and length of time in the field. Um, and we all have important um, uh, opportunities to hear uh, from Jackie and Hans, and then later from Paul and Kevin, um, and make our decisions and make our um, uh, informed decisions based on what it is that we hear. So Jackie and Hans are going to have about 10 minutes time. And then we're gonna switch uh, a bit and we'll open the, the uh, to Paul and Kevin and they're gonna share their thoughts. And then after that, y'all, we're gonna go into breakout rooms uh, where uh, we're gonna be able to talk to one another about what it is that we've just heard. Okay, so uh, I'm going to, I'm gonna pause. I'm gonna open the, the door to Hans and Jackie, let them um, share their thoughts. And when you've, they've concluded, then we'll open to um, Paul and Kevin. So Jackie and Hans, you're up. Hey, uh, Hans and I have chatted, and so I'm going to lead off, and I would like to begin by thanking all of you for taking time from your busy days to spend this afternoon uh, with us and listen to what we have to say. I'd also like to thank the organizers of the Peak Collaborative for the opportunity to talk about this very important topic. As you read the two articles, we really agree on much of the content, including certain affective domain aspects that relate to movement. 
The primary difference between the two articles lies on where Hans and I put the emphasis in our concern that current rhetoric is focused on how to infuse SEL into programs with little or no discussion about how to make students more skillful. Our call to action and the impetus for our article came when we read the following words, and I quote, helping students become skillful movers need not nor should not be our field's primary goal, close quotes. It is scary that anyone associated with physical education would make that statement. From past experience, we know words matter. And people who read things like that quote will use it to justify not taking responsibility for teaching psychomotor skill and physical education. We need to take a step back and realize that our profession is solely responsible for teaching psychomotor skills in schools. No other content area is assigned to do that. The one exception comes from some physical educators who either did not learn and or do not like to teach dance, and now the music department delivers this movement for them. While doing research for a new curriculum project, I read a book by McTighe. In it, he states uh, what schools fail to do is demonstrate impact. That is, they are not telling others and using data to support their claims about what students are accomplishing in their programs or schools. This may be one of the reasons that physical educators have followed so many rabbit trails. They are searching for a way to demonstrate that their content is important in schools or in short, the impact that they are making. Some have tried to make physical education more relevant by stating it was an opportunity to address the obesity problem. Uh, obesity rates continue to rise. This latest sidebar is asking us to solve emotional and mental health problems, something we need to do. We need to get back to our foundation and focus on teaching students use, to use psychomotor skills, which in itself is an important and worthwhile goal. Research tells us that skill competence can lead to active children, thus providing ways for them to engage in meaningful physical activity outside of school. We must develop ways to gather data and show our impact on what students are learning. All the attention on SEL has led me to ask if the psychomotor domain has taken a de facto backseat to SEL in physical education programs and classes. I hope that Pete will begin discussing this question. Look at the number of convention sessions that are addressing SEL and compare that to the number of sessions showing teachers how to improve their content knowledge about a sport or skill or activity. Is anybody talking about skill progressions that will help children learn better? In the new documents released by Shape America, the first item listed in the student attributes section addresses SEL and those concerning psychomotor skill are listed last. Is this intentional? The first standards committee deliberately placed psychomotor skill first, as without it, we cannot teach the rest of the con content. Has this philosophy changed? In the same document, students are called on to reflect about movement or have knowledge about it, but it is not state stated that they will have movement competence. Have we abandoned our mission of teaching students movement and developing movement competence? In looking at PEAT program curriculums, are you giving majors the skills that they need to deliver content? 
In the past, physical education programs sought to make majors skillful so that they would be able to deliver quality feedback and teaching progressions for their students. Has this philosophy changed? I hope the dialogue today encourages faculty members to think about their programs and how they can change their focus back to the real brass ring of quality physical education. Hans? Thanks, uh, Jackie. And I, I wanna concur with Jackie that uh, both she and I are appreciative of, of uh, the opportunity to write in, in the Jopert uh, journal and for the invitation from the Pete Collaborative to uh, join today's uh, session. I was gonna call it a debate, but I guess I'm not supposed to. Um, so I, I'd like to start off with, with a couple of points of agreements with, with Paul and Kevin. First of all, SEL and the development uh, related to that social emotional development and how it connects with physical development. Uh, we never claimed that they're not related. Okay. And uh, I think Kaysen mentioned that SEL should be an integral part of it, but the article actually states it should be an integrated part of physical education. Teachers also should absolutely be interested and concerned with student social and emotional health and wellness. And of course, the COVID crisis has, has um, highlighted that. But of course, those problems were present well before the COVID crisis. Jackie and I are not the first to suggest that we should stop trying to be everything to everyone and that we can solve all the problems. We have a tendency in our field to make all problems ours and that we alone can, can uh, solve them. And unfortunately, it's become an august refrain. What we did argue is that our subject in the school has core content that is and should remain the prime focus in everything that K through 12 teachers, PEAT faculty and our professional organizations do and promote. There is a reason why we call it physical education. And let's not forget that good teachers do in fact work toward building connections with students, help build those pro-social behaviors, try to be inclusive and equitable and create conditions to learn. This is in fact reflected in the content standards task force guiding principles that just came out. In her paper, Judy Lobianco, former SHADE president, uh, stated, quote, we have been the makers and creators of social emotional learning solely by the nature of our unique standards and environment, end of quote. The claim that SEL is or should be our main domain and that we own the domain is a dangerous claim. Are we really the only ones who can address SEL? We would argue that our colleagues in other subjects would probably be offended by that claim. Our subject does have a legitimate and credible goal that has strong support in many corners of society, including parents, government agencies, professional organizations, outside of physical education. So there's been lots of support. Helping children and youth find the skills, knowledge, and joy in physically active mode of play in whatever mode of movement, sport, fitness, dance, outdoor pursuits, what have you. I doubt that this support for physical education would be sustained if SEL would become the primary subject. One question remains, why do we keep avoiding the core content of what we are really about? Can physical education contribute indirectly to student social and emotional development? Absolutely. We will never deny this, but it is not and should not be our primary focus. As I mentioned, good teachers do focus on that indirectly. Why would we want to change that? We see helping youngsters become skillful movers as our moral responsibility. 
Moreover, we cannot forget that physical activity is perhaps the best and cheapest medicine to reverse problems such as anxiety, depression, and other mental health issues. Yes, the COVID crisis, as I said, has shown a light on that, but physical activity tends to be in a powerful antidote, if you will, to these many problems that face by, faced by uh, children and youth. Okay. If ever there was a time for the promotion of physical activity, and of course, ultimately in skillful physical activity in whatever form, sport, fitness, dance, etc., is more important than it has ever been since in the last two years of the COVID crisis. We have to come to grips with the fact that SEL is not our unique learning domain. We would argue it is everyone's domain. Remember, it takes a village to raise a child. That is all teachers, staff and administrators, parents, etc. <clears throat> Making SEL the dominant learning domain reflects in our view, an application of our moral responsibility that we took on <clears throat> when we joined the physical education teaching profession. Moreover, if SEL does become the flagship learning domain, we should stop calling our subject physical education. The content standards are in the midst of being revised. We would urge you to take a close look and what the task force will propose in the near future, and then decide if the field is on a defensible and credible route. We have to make sure that we rediscover the soul of our subject. And of course, how the new content standards shape up, as, as Jackie mentioned a bit ago, has enormous implications as well for how we prepare future physical educators. Thank you. All right, Jackie and Hans, thanks so much. So before I um, shift it over to Paul and Kevin real quick, when we do go into the breakout rooms, um, one of the things that we're gonna ask folks to discuss collectively for whoever shows up in your room um, is some of these strongest arguments supporting the movements uh, uh, against SEL and PE as well as some of the strongest arguments or rationales for having SEL and PE. So maybe some of you were nodding along or taking some notes along the way, or some of the things that Jackie and Hans uh, shared resonated very much with you, and perhaps um, some of them didn't. So we are gonna have opportunities to talk to one another in the breakout sessions relative to the things that resonated and things that um, that perhaps don't uh, relative to both of, of our panelists' um, uh, presentations. So, Jack and Hans, thank you so much. Paul and Kevin, we're going to turn the time over to you. Thank you, Emily. And uh, yeah, Kevin and I conferred and we decided I would lead off and do the first five minutes or so of our opening remarks. And I also want to use a little bit of that to thank you, Emily, Kaysen, Risto, and Jamie, everybody for organizing this today, everyone who's uh, here to be part of this conversation, and especially Jackie and Hans for being in this conversation with us and presenting some, some varied viewpoints. So you know, I want to lead by saying, pointing out a couple things. Much of what Kevin and I put in our article is aligned with and in agreement with what Hans and Jackie had to say. Um, I, I feel like we're not necessarily the opposing party here, but a third party. Hans and Jackie uh, referred to a couple comments and things that have been stated in the field, and those didn't actually come from Kevin and I. They were responding to another uh, piece that had been written uh, with such strong claims about 
SEL being the main domain or, or the sole domain of physical education. So I just want to be clear about that, that, that those comments don't represent uh, what Kevin and I had to say in our piece or our viewpoints, but they did spark a really good exchange that, that's continuing up, up to this moment. Um, we do agree on several points with what Jackie and Hans had to say in their article, uh, specifically things like the muddled mission of PE. This has plagued the field um, for as long as it's existed, essentially, right? Um, and people have argued within that, uh, which things we should emphasize, which things we should prioritize. Uh, the list seems to grow instead of ever being reduced. We don't ever take anything off the plate. We just add to it. Um, so I know that is a trend that we still struggle with as a field, and, and this current discussion fits within that for sure. Another thing that they brought up that we, we agree with is some uneasiness with the tendency in this field to jump on bandwagons. Even though social emotional learning is something that I and Kevin have been very interested in and devoted to for a long time, uh, it still makes me squirm a little bit, the appearance that this is a, a bandwagon topic. I mean, it's something I've personally been working at in different forms for 30 years, but it now happens to be on the upswing. For much of that 30 years, this was not um, a major focus, certainly not considered to be a major threat to psychomotor development. Uh, for many decades, folks like Don Hellison, my mentor, when they focused on the affective domain or teaching life skills or social and emotional development, um, they were a faint cry out in the wilderness. They certainly weren't um, a driving force or making anyone else feel threatened. Uh, we've been fighting uphill for a long time for this work, and I'm glad to see it getting the attention it does. But at the same time, I don't want this just to be a flashing, you know, a, a flash in the pan or just a moment in time. I do hope that we're having serious dialogue, considering different perspectives on this so that we can really move forward as a field in, again, what Kevin and I propose is an integrated way. Um, I, we don't wanna get in the business of saying who's listed first, who's on the inside, who's on the outside. If somebody's primary, something else is secondary. I think that's the biggest point we're trying to make in our article is that I think this should be an integrated part of quality physical education. I think that research and policy and practical experience supports that uh, handily. If we, I think if we look at this as a zero sum game and we try to pick should we or should we not, we're on the wrong path. Um, we think we should recognize that all these things are important outcomes in physical education. And it's the synergy and the integration of those that makes for the best physical education. So I'm hoping that the discussion can start to morph a little bit in that way. Um, but I, I want to give Kevin a chance to chime in too. I've given sort of a big picture uh, of what we had to say in our article and the approach we're taking, but I want to let him round that out. Uh, yeah, um, I appreciate that, Paul. Um, and and one, of the, one of the points that you, uh, you kind of uh, uh, talked about as you were going through there was, was this notion of rank ordering priorities. And, and that's, that's a trap that I'm not so sure we want to fall into either. Um, if, if we look at the Shape America's national standards, for example, we see psychomotor cognitive and affective outcomes threaded throughout all five of the current standards. And I would assume that the next iteration of the standards um, will include a similar emphasis across domains. 
if that's not the case, that's something that I would be concerned about too. Um, I, I think that as physical educators, we cover uh, all of these areas um, and, and do so and have the potential to do so um, in an integrated way. Um, you know, I, 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 I think that, that uh, Hans and, and Jackie are right in saying that SEL is not the sole province of physical education. This is something that should be addressed throughout and across the curriculum. But I also think that we should recognize some of the unique things about physical education that make it um, a, a particularly interesting laboratory for exploring social and emotional development. You know, unlike um, uh, classrooms where students are kind of desk bound in many environments uh, and, and maybe have the opportunity to, to kind of converse uh, and, and to dialogue um, at the most in, in physical education environments, uh, students are up, they're moving, they're interacting with each other, they're, they're having to negotiate conflict as it occurs uh, and, and during the social aspects of physical education, as well as during gameplay and, and, and the physical activity part of it. Um, so there are a lot of these kind of teachable moments. Um, and I think that, that for a long time, our field has kind of addressed those teachable moments uh, in, in kind of indirect ways. Um, and, and you know, I, I think that, that that just leaves a lot of things up to chance when we allow for kind of teachable moments to direct our, to direct our uh, approach to addressing a particular area. Um, you know, I, I do think that this should be centralized. I do think that uh, social and emotional learning competencies can be conceptualized as skills. Uh, Jackie talked a lot about the importance of teaching skills. Uh, and I made a note to say that, yes, you know, there's physical skills that we teach, but there are also these social and emotional skills. Like how do we navigate things like leadership? How do we navigate things like setting goals for ourselves? Um, and, and how do we navigate um, you know, interpersonal conflict as it occurs in the natural course of, of what we do in a physical activity setting. Um, in, in an article that, um, that Paul and I wrote a few years ago, along with uh, Tori Shiver um, and one of our undergraduate students uh, at the University of Alabama, we talked about reconceptualizing um, the way that we teach social and emotional development and, and doing it in a similar way to how we teach uh, physical skills. You know, we typically um, sorry, I'm just checking on my time. We, we typically, uh, you know, have our skill cues and, and our ways of approaching the teaching of physical skills. And a lot of that works just as well for, um, for social and emotional development. If we're doing an activity where we're focused on helping others uh, and the goal is giving feedback, um, then, then I can give a student who is giving feedback um, advice and skill cues even for how to give good feedback. I might say something like start with something nice, um, offer a suggestion and end with a positive comment. So it ends up being essentially a feedback sandwich. And then as I'm going around, I can give feedback on how they um, convey skills um, you know, uh, or how they convey uh, their feedback to, to the students that they're working with. Um, the other thing that, that I wanted to touch on, and then uh, I want to save a couple of minutes for Paul to kind of come in and in, in, uh, riff back in, um, was that my, my agreement with, with, I think, Jackie's statement towards the beginning, that there is evidence that shows that students who are competent and skilled movers uh, are able to translate that better into physical activity beyond physical education. Uh, I would argue that students that are prepared to navigate the social realities of, of movement uh, and interpersonal and have the interpersonal skills to uh, and, and, and the intrapersonal skills to be able to set goals and ask for help when they need it. Um, that's going to be critical to future involvement in physical activity as well. Um, because if I can't set goals for myself, 
uh, and I can't, um, you know, do things like navigate conflict as it occurs during gameplay, uh, then I'm not going to be the kind of person that other people want to play with. Um, and, and so these things, I think, all come together, which is why I do, I do think that we really need a well-rounded focus where, where SEL and, and physical uh, development and cognitive development are integrated into physical education. Um, and and I, I guess before I pass it along to Paul, I'll just revisit my point that I don't know how helpful it is to have discussions about rank ordering those, those three goals, which I think are, are all quite important. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. That was all really well said. And I'll just to be respectful of time, just make really one point here. I think, you know, Jackie and Hans pointed out, and I think it is accurate, you can definitely see a trend toward the talk, the professional development sessions, uh, the literature shifting a big emphasis in this direction right now. And I don't think that needs to so much threaten or make us question the, the integration of the physical and the psychomotor. That's always been there. Um, I know in our own PEAT program, our students are steeped in that. They, they know that, and that's our bread and butter. There's no question about that. But what for these recent decades we've done is we've left good affective teaching or good psych, uh, social emotional development, we've left it to assumption or handled it indirectly. I think what we're seeing right now might be a way of finally getting that caught up in terms of how well are we preparing future teachers to teach intentionally and directly in these ways. I'm not concerned that they're not gonna, that they're gonna lose sight of how to teach psychomotor skills. That's the foundation of the way we train them. But what we, what we have not been doing is giving them enough intentional training to treat SEL and the affective domain as content. Um, I think we're needing to put some extra emphasis on that right now to bring it into balance. Uh, but thank you, that'll be good end of our time or my time. Thank you to uh, Paul and Kevin for your thoughts and insights. Uh, we're gonna transition to a time of breakout rooms. And I know that for those of you who have been part of uh, collaboratives in the past, um, sometimes during our, where we have panelists or moderators or discussions, um, the, the back channel chat tends to be a bit of a flurry. And it's been sort of fun to uh, just listen and engage and not have to multitask between um, and hopefully that's been because you know that we'll be able to have some time to dialogue with colleagues here in a moment. So uh, what we have uh, is we've got four breakout rooms um, organized. You are going to be automatically assigned into a breakout room. Our four panelists are also going to join uh, um, the one of the breakout rooms. They are there to listen, not to guide or drive the conversation. We also have a PEAT Collaborative Organizing Team member who will be in each of the rooms as well, not there to drive or guide the conversation as well, but to help kind of pr prompt and um, help the conversation carry on. We do have about 20 minutes in these breakout rooms. We've got five prompts. In a moment, I'm gonna hit send on the, um, on the chat and you'll get to see what those four prompts are. Um, I'm gonna hit send in a moment, but I'm gonna keep you because of the captive audience. The first is related to strongest arguments, you know, supporting the movement for SEL in PE. The next is strongest arguments against um, the movement of SEL in PE. Um, and then three and four, the last two prompts are really kind of big picture. So uh, what are the most legitimate concerns and questions that you have that you've seen um, from your setting, your context and otherwise? relative to uh, this important topic. And where does this leave us? 
what implications uh, are there for us? What actions do we need to take collectively um, in order to um, build some future direction here? So um, we're gonna ask this, this is kind of like one of these um, wonderful meetings where you can't completely sit back. Um, you can of course listen and uh, we'd love to hear your voice. Um, when you get put into a breakout room, our ask is um, maybe that you would self-organize. So Pete Collaborative member will be there for you, but they won't be there to kind of guide or take notes. So if, if as you get into your groups, um, Jamie's gonna hit um, a sign in a moment, you'll get out into your groups um, and then uh, maybe introduce yourselves. You might see somebody you know and somebody that you don't um, and then kind of self-organize because when we come back, uh, we will have an opportunity for each breakout group to kind of share out some of these major concerns um, about the movement and your perspectives as to how we move together forward. Okay, leaving no time for questions. We're gonna um, send you out to groups. Jamie is sending you out and we'll see you back around 4.50 or three, whatever time. All right, thank you all for coming back. I think it's my turn to kind of regroup and focus and with the next 15 or so minutes, we wanted to bring it back and kind of see what were kind of the pervasive themes or, you know, just general comments that came out of each of the groups. Uh, so I am going to, well, I don't know if people remember what group uh, they were in, breakout group. I'm just going to open it up to the floor. And the first comment that I'm going to say is, what are the most, this was one of the prompts, what are the most legitimate concerns or questions about the movement? And that could go on either side. So if um, I want to hear a few people kind of summarize or a main point that was brought about in your group or from you yourself. And if folks want to use the hand raise feature and then we'll ask you to unmute um, if you'd like to contribute to the discussion, that'd be great. And the hand raise feature should be on the bottom of your screen under reactions. All right, there we go. We are going to go to Rick. I'll go ahead and let uh, Dr. McKenzie go first. Uh, he he uh, he's much more wise in depth in the knowledge than than myself. So I'll let I'll let him go. A deferment. Got it. I would uh, I would say experienced. I wouldn't say anything about brightness. Uh, group number two ended up with the notion of, uh, or at least I ended it with. How are you going to measure and uh, uh, social emotional learning? And when would you this? Anything that uh, comes out of that would be self-reports. And we're not even doing um, physical fitness assessment anymore or motor skill assessment. So, uh, and I believe that uh, you ought to have objectives that are observable and measurable. In any case, that was not the whole story, and others can carry on. That was just the ending question. Thank you so much. Uh, back to Rick. I'll try. I'll try. We're in group four. Try to sum up a little bit of of what was said, and I'll, a couple other comments. And and if group four, if I say incorrectly, please, um, you know, please chime in. But it, you know, it sounded like a lot of our group. You know, there was a lot of talk of that. Um, 
there has there's quite a bit of immersion already and has been in the in the affective. Um, there there was definitely some talks about the difference between the immersion or or a real intentionality as well. But but there was a lot of talk of you know we've we've been doing this um, quite some time as as they do connect and they drive. Um, and this is probably a little bit more of my comment than, than the group. But the other thing we talked about is that we are, we're physical education. We educate in the physical. And like was stated earlier, we are, we're a very special field. We are, we are the only field in education that, that educates in the physical. And when we look at, when we look at where we fit in within a school, and being a former, I, I taught at all three building levels, and then I was also administrator. And I and I look at it from an administrative standpoint that if you're not doing a good job teaching in the physical, which that's what your job is, then what would be what would be the reason to have you? And then if it's from the, another administrative side that they want in the schools more social emotional things of this sort, then in all reality, since we specialize, we are physical education, then, then the question would be, well, do they even need us or will they just get rid of us and get more social workers and psychologists and counselors to be able to fill this? Because that's, that's not where we are and who we are. And I, like I, and I was talking about like Paul and Kevin, to tell you the truth, I, I believe there's a lot of individuals here that, that agree about kind of what you're saying and how, I mean, I'm on, I'm on the, the education of the physical, but I believe that affecting what you were saying fits in what's in whole I'm not sure I'm not if Kevin and Paul as as I think Paul said or Kevin said that the maybe they're a third party I my biggest concern was after hearing the meeting with the direction of of the new standards of shape America there it seemed to me they're at a whole different level than what what Paul and Kevin are are referring to and I'm I'm very concerned about that direction uh, of heading away from we educate the physical, we are physical literacy, and obviously the leadership, the co cooperation, the respect, and all those elements that come with it. I, I, I would hope that we've been ingraining that for a long time now. I know in the last 20 years that I've been in the field that, that I have, and, and at Central Michigan University, we, we take high note of that. But our job is to educate in the physical so that we can be physically fit and healthy and active for the rest of our lives for the kids to be. And so giving the tools to do that, but that, that effective is not left out, but the direction that the, the, the committee seems to be going is a, is a very slippery slope and a very scary slope of where, where we've been um, in our past and, and possibly where do we go in the future to do a better job of, of what our field is. Thank you, Rick. Um, we're gonna ask Rhonda to talk now. Okay, um, I was in group three, brilliant group, wonderful discussion, a uh, lot of wonderful uh, viewpoints. And I probably don't mind putting my neck on the line and saying I was one of the more negative uh, speakers against this particular movement. And I started basically by saying, uh, I will definitely be using uh, the article that came out in viewpoints uh, about how much we need to focus more on the skill and skillfulness and fitness. And a personal concern was our timing is very poor, thinking that we came out of the COVID with so many people lost to poor fitness and the fact that this would be the ideal time to encourage people to become more physically fit. Um, the fact that, and I, I said from another uh, personal standpoint, one of my students, graduate students was from the Ukraine, both parents are doctors and they are practicing there right now. 
And he said to me, I said, you have any words of wisdom? And he said, I came to the United States to train to be a physical education person. And that is what is driving so much success in the Ukraine right now. If you look at their soldiers, their fitness, their love for their country, their, um, there's character development certainly there. But primarily being a very fit country was something he was extremely proud of. And finally, the last item, because truthfully, my group were very pro SEL in a very positive way. I love this statement. What theories are guiding this change? And that is something that now I can go back as a pedagogue and just think about, yeah, what theories are we using to say that this movement should be so high in the ladder for the standards? Um, but I, I thought Jackie and Hans, I, I like their arguments very much. And thank you. Thank you so much, Rhonda. Uh, we're going to go to Adam and then Phil. Uh, so I actually want to ask a question to Rick and then see the rest of my little statement time back to, to Rick. Uh, Rick, you said something that I, that I heard also said by, by some of the other folks in the room which was uh, around the Shape America New Standards and, and a sense of like fear or foreboding that you have around those. Can you like get really explicit about what that fear is? Like, what do you see in the standards that you're afraid will trickle down into the classroom that makes you afraid? Like, what is the, where does that fear come from? What is the, what is the fear side of that? And you don't have to answer, obviously. I'm just curious. Yeah, I, when I, I mean, honestly, when I was, when I'm coming to this meeting, I'm, I was hoping for the direction of like, once again, we all know the data. I'm not going to dive into all the data of hyperemic disease, like lack of physical activity and all the other stuff that comes in. I, uh, hopefully we know that well. But I mean, when I look at it, when I look at it, and I, I know we're not a panacea, I know we're not an end-all, be-all, fix-all, but boy, I hope we play a, a pretty integral role in our society to impact physical activity levels and fitness and health levels. I mean, I mean, at least for me, that's a huge focus of us trying to give kids the tools to stay fit and healthy for the rest of their life. And so I, you know, I was looking to see, okay, where, where, what are we going to be talking about? How, you know, what are we going to be looking at to, to enhance this, to get, to, to drive this. And it just seemed to me that all the focus was much more on some very deep social elements that um, a lot of, winds of the media and, and Twitter, I call it Twitter ideology uh, that has been slewing around the last two years. It just seems like there's an unbelievable focus on that. And, you know, we try to talk to our students, you know, there's certain things that we try to give tools that like, you know, there's things that happen that are happening in home and stuff like that, that are outside the scope of what we possibly could do because we just don't have enough time and resources and even maybe knowledge to be able to help within those. But we do have ability to give tools. And I think Hans said this earlier, we do have the ability to give students tools to be able to th control things that they control. So like being active and, and which will impact their health and well-being and mental health and all that. And so I'm like, let's let's educate the physical. And it just seemed to me that the entire focus really had nothing to do with the physical at all. I mean, we're talking about possible a whole nother element of just like a social element when that I to me I thought the affective was driving was driving those elements and it seems like this is a whole nother level that is beyond the scope of what what we are what we are looking to do and in, in my in my educated opinion should be looking to do okay thank you for that we're gonna 
have our uh, Phil. We're going to have our last Q and A comment. Um, you know, when I when I look at the arguments that that Paul and Kevin and um, Jackie and Hans put together, they're really not that different. Um, they recognize that children are at risk. Um, we all, if you go into schools today, you see folks at risk. The issue is what is SEL? And, and I think SEL is best conceptualized in physical education as a pedagogical approach. It's, it's integrated into our pedagogy. When we say integration, we're talking about a caring teacher, like Nell Nodding's approach of teaching being a caring profession. It is not a curriculum. It, if it's viewed as a curriculum, it's rightful place as health education, where students learn to engage in those skill sets. They do that in health education now, at least when they have health education. So my, my concern here is um, that if we were to remove the physical from physical education, our children would be in a worse state of health than they, than they currently are, both in terms of the stresses on them and also just their their general uh, wellness. Um, we, need, we need physical education as a subject matter and we should be caring and kind uh, in doing so. But to, to go towards, for example, the castle requirements, that, really, that work really belongs at a school-wide level. It belongs in health education to help children recognize the signs of stress, et cetera. That's not the subject matter of physical education. Ours is a movement orientated where children are active and they make cognitive um, decisions about that work, engage in affective cooperative cooperation. And I don't think that, that the two articles were that different in that area. If you contrast those two articles with, for example, the Castle standards, I think you get a very different approach. And I'm not sure, I don't want to speak for any of the four folks, but I'm not sure they were going entirely that far. That's my observation on that. Thanks, Phil. And um, we are getting close to the end of our time together. One of the most wonderful things about um, the timing of this collaborative is that it segues us nicely into conference season, um, either AERA next week or Shape America the following. So if you um, have additional thoughts and um, maybe this is a bit of a primer for you to have colleagues um, that uh, you have at your institution region or we can chat at the national level as well. We've got a few minutes to wrap here. And, and, and um, I, in one uh, way, we thought perhaps we would synthesize what was shared, but I'm gonna take a little bit of a, an opportunity to punt and uh, turn, the, turn the time a little bit back over to our panelists to see if there were some either um, final thoughts, remarks, or um, panelists, were there things that you heard that might have surprised you or struck you across um, our time together? Um, and um, I'm gonna, I'm kind of just gonna open it here to, um, to Jackie, Hans, Kevin, um, or Paul, and um, you have the ability to unmute and chime in. Last words, last final thoughts. Uh, yeah. Um, so I've, I've been texting Paul on the side. I'm gonna. I, I think my literal message was, please be ready to clarify my jumble. Um, but. Uh, kind of, kind of building off of what Phil was just talking about, um, I would actually say that it's both. I, I think that it's content in line with Castle, and I think that it's also uh, it also has pedagogical implications as well. Um, Shape America, um, and and then uh, other uh, authors, uh, Paul, um, myself included, 
have drawn connections between the CASEL framework uh, and the SHAPE American National Standards. Uh, SHAPE has a crosswalk that shows how uh, really all of the national standards relate to the, to, to, the CASEL, uh, to the CASEL competencies, depending upon how you conceptualize them. Um, real br briefly, a, a, um, an epiphany moment for me. Uh, in thinking about SEL came when, when Paul and I were working on uh, one of the, the chapters in, in, in our, uh, our, our book, our edited book that, that came out recently. Um, and we were having a conversation about management and instruction. Uh, and, and I was kind of taught traditionally that those two things are kind of divorced and that management is what you need in place in order to make instruction possible. Uh, and, and Paul challenged that. And it helped me to see that a lot of the things that we traditionally conceptualize as managerial issues are actually SEL issues. We just don't talk about them as such. And we don't frame them as, as skills and competencies to be taught and learned. Um, I, I think that it's intentionality. Anything that matters uh, in, in what we do and how we teach has to be done intentionally. It just can't be left to chance and it can't just be kind of put on the side and, and can't just say that we'll get to that if we get to it. And I also don't think that the literature supports the idea that kids are going to learn SEL competencies if it's not done intentionally. In fact, they may actually learn the exact opposite. Um, Paul, can you clarify my jumble? I, I don't think I need to clarify. I'll, I'll just riff off that for a minute and then, then give our time uh, over to, to Hans and Jackie, if that's okay. Um, yeah, I think, you know, one of the things, and this gets a little bit to a point that jumped out at me from listening to the conversation in the breakout room, was uh, several people mentioned that one of their concerns with the push on SEL is how is it really integrated? What does that look like to, um, to actually integrate it into physical activity? So I think Kevin's example that he brought up about management tasks that's a, that's an opportunity. If we look at teaching kids responsibility, which is already part of the content standards, right? Um, and learning how to manage themselves and learning how to be aware, cooperate with others. When we share management tasks with them, when we give them opportunities to make decisions, to organize themselves, to set up equipment, to help plan out, you know, small parts of the curriculum, by sharing some of that power and engaging them, it's very student-centered learning. It's gonna be motivating, it's gonna increase their enjoyment. And um, it's in an authentic way, integrating social and emotional learning skills and life skills into the physical education experience. And it's not stopping or getting in the way of physical education, it's part of it. You know, as if we just look at the national standards right now, Two of the five, and I don't care that they're number four and five, they made the list. <laughs> Two of the five uh, have to do with life skills, personal and social and emotional skills. And we need to be able to integrate those and create teachable moments where those happen as well as the psychomotor, the fitness, et cetera, and the cognitive. Um, we're going to run out of time if we try to do everything separately. And we won't be good teachers if we try to do everything separately. The best teaching the best learning occurs when these things are integrated. And I think the idea is we have a lot of teachable moments that go untapped regarding the social and emotional development. Um, so I, I, I think that that's how I would riff off of or rejumble what Kevin had to say. Um, my last shout is on uh, measurement. Tom McKenzie, not a problem. If you look at Duralac at all and Taylor at all, 
we've got decades worth of validated instruments to assess social emotional learning. Within the PE zone, we've got the uh, tool for assessing responsibility-based education, the TEAR, the TEAR 2.0, PSRQ, the Torque. We have more than enough valid and uh, reliable measures that have been developed in and for physical education settings uh, to follow through on this charge and to operationalize these things. So we're good to go there, but I want to hand it over to Hans and uh, Jackie now. Thanks for listening. Hans, you're up. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, two points. One, uh, I'm, I'm going to draw from uh, a comment that was made by my colleague Deborah Tannehill long ago. Um, her comment or point was, if it's worth teaching, it's, assess it's worth assessing. And to dovetail on Paul's uh, comment about there are countless tools available. Uh, the, the field has a pretty deplorable history of doing good assessment. And so we're, we're not even getting to assessing our core content uh, performance, uh, performance by students in our core content. And so uh, as we wrote in the article, uh, Jackie and I, we, we have a serious time problem. And so I just don't know how assessment within the SEL domain is, is going to occur. The, the other point too is, um, if my brain would continue to work, uh, is that um, we, I, I've lost a point, I'm sorry, I apologize. I, it just snuck up on me, so I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Okay, well, I'll, I'll chime in. And having been somebody that has lived in assessment for a long time, um, I agree with Hans. Is we have done a terrible job with assessing and getting putting together data. As Shape America president, I put together a committee, and my goal was to have a physical education gram that was similar to a fitness gram, uh, just so that we would have a unified message and a way to create that wonderful database that Cooper Institute created with fitness. Uh, we don't have anything that's close to that. And, and I, don't, I don't have a problem with adding the SEL. We've got to define what we mean by SEL and what we're going to measure. And knowing we can't measure everything, we've got to figure out what the most things are and, and put that out. But until this field comes together and can decide on a set of assessments for their standards, we are not going to show the impact and we're going to continue to erode our time available for physical education. Hans, go it, it came back to me. Um, I, 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 want to, I want to leave everyone with, with uh, a, a, a notion that um, again, I'm going to go back to the notion of we, we make everything our domain. And just so you know that the math teacher, the science teacher, the music and the art teacher, if you think they don't address the effect of domain and bring joy and, and, uh, and also uh, try to get kids to act responsibly with their equipment, etc., um, we're, we're in a state of delusion. We are not the only subject that addresses those domains. And that's why we have to go back and say, look, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, SEL is not our domain, it's everyone's domain. So, and by that, I will, with that, I'll stop. Well, we are out of time, everyone. And on behalf of our speakers and all of you for speaking today, we thank you. Regardless of your position, we encourage you to give feedback on the stairs and the position piece. And the last thing we want to say is there will not be a May session. 
but we encourage you to come see us. We are presenting as a Pete Collaborative live at Shape. Uh, and our focus is going to be on recruitment in Pete. Um, we're unofficially the Pete Collaborative there, but Thursday afternoon, we encourage you at 315 to come see us, come talk about recruitment and retention in Pete programming. And we thank you all for being here. Um, you feel free as always to stick around if you wanna have more informal comments afterwards. And thank you so much.